Something incredible happened in Western New York this last year. It was something that no one predicted and no one expected. Something that came as a shock, but the best kind of shock. It was the type of surprise that brings hope to life. Ravens trying to end it here. Fourth down. Dalton steps up. Dalton throws. It's New Era Field, where the Buffalo Bills play their home games, where thousands of fans come and cheer on their team. Bills fans are a special breed. There's no one quite like them. two decades, these fans haven't had a whole lot to be proud of. But year after year, fans came back hoping and praying that this might be their time. Unfortunately, the loyalty of Bills fans never amounted to anything but crushed hopes and unanswered prayers. For the Bills, the early 90s were marked by winning and sustained glory. But by the end of the decade, they were ingloriously eliminated from the playoffs in the midst of controversy. Then, silence. For 17 years, they haven't even been to a playoff game. During this drought, fans would dream of the glory days. But even those memories were just a reminder of being not quite good enough. Even the successes they had experienced have fallen just short of that ultimate prize. Inches short and inches wide. But what is so mind-blowing and amazing at the same time is that these fans are not ashamed of their team. For some reason, through the pain and the hurt, they keep coming back, keep believing, and keep hoping that one day, all the time, and their energy and passion and money that they've invested will pay off, and they can be the ones celebrating the ultimate victory. In the meantime, they endure jokes about being losers. They're considered a punchline in the world of the NFL but yet they still wear their team's colors with pride. They still cheer and show up early to tailgate, and they never stop hoping and believing. Their commitment isn't based on results, but rather faith of better days to come. What might be even more amazing is that all of this is for a football team, a team of players whose stats and names we know, but we've never met personally. 
All this for a group of players that don't even know our names and honestly don't care what we think as long as we keep buying tickets and yelling at the refs. You know, as a Christ follower, we can learn a lot from Bill's fans. Did I just say that? All you Patriots fans, don't leave, please. Bill's fans are committed, passionate, and all in. Most of all, they're not ashamed to proclaim their allegiance and their loyalty to their team. A team that over the course of two decades hasn't given them much of anything. But yet, we as Christians claim to serve a God who saved us from our sins, and we do it quietly behind closed doors and timidly. Are we ashamed of who Jesus is? Are we ashamed to claim the name of Jesus? Romans 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. In the midst of our suffering and momentary trials, we have hope. And we don't place our hope in 42 men wearing our favorite jersey. We place our hope in a Savior who came in our place and gave up everything for us. And because Jesus publicly displayed His love for us, we too should publicly let the world know who our Savior is. So let me ask you, are you ashamed of the gospel? Are you ashamed to loudly and publicly proclaim what Jesus has done in your life? Because as for me in my life, I am not ashamed. All right, at all of our campuses, where are my Bills fans at? Make some noise, come on. <laughs> well, whether you're a Bills fan or not, you, there's one thing we can all agree on. Whether the Bills are good or really bad, it doesn't matter to Bills fans because they aren't ashamed to wear their team's colors. And the truth is, is as Christians, one way that we proclaim that we're not ashamed of our Savior is through an act called baptism. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, it's going to be on page 784 if you're using one of the Northridge Bibles. You can follow along in your device, you can look at the screens, you can jump in the Northridge app. And, and as you're kind of way, making your way to Matthew chapter 3, I want to welcome you to, to Northridge Church uh, I welcome all of our campuses, whether you're watching online or you're going to watch us later as a video. Thanks for being here. We're excited. Today's going to be an amazing day in the life of our church. And so just welcome to Northridge Church. And in Matthew chapter 3, we get to see one of the most famous pictures of Jesus, one of the most well-known uh, moments in Jesus' life. It's his baptism. In Matthew chapter 3, we pick it up in verse 13. It says this, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And so Jesus is traveling. He's traveling from Galilee to the Jordan River. And, and just probably a month ago, I made this exact journey. I traveled from Galilee to the Jordan River, a place where a lot of people think Jesus was baptized. And, and Jesus is doing that, that trip. He's coming from Galilee, from the Sea of Galilee, all the way to the Jordan River for really one major specific reason. He's going to get baptized. And so he comes to John and, and he says, hey, John, I want you to baptize me. And, 
And John has probably the, a, a natural reaction, a reaction that probably if we were in John's shoes, the same one we would respond in, because this is Jesus. This is the Son of God. This is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And you want me to baptize you? Uh-uh, no, John's like, I'm unworthy. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I can't do that. Like, no, no, I, I need to be baptized by you. But then Jesus says something really interesting to him, significant. In verse 15, it says, Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do, do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And Jesus says some really significant things here. He says, let it be so now. Why was now so important? Like, why couldn't it wait a day? Why, why, why couldn't Jesus, you know, take a couple of days? Why now? We'll get to that later. But then he says this. He says, it's proper for us to fulfill, to fulfill all righteousness. And Jesus' baptism was really significant for two reasons. The first one is what he was saying behind fulfill all righteousness. You think about that word righteousness. How do we achieve righteousness? Well, we achieve it through our Savior, Jesus. He gives us his righteousness on the cross when he died for us. If we believe in him, we become righteous, Scripture says. But how do we live out righteousness? Through obedience. By obeying our Father's will. That's how we live out righteousness. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. He's saying, in order to fulfill all righteousness, I have to be obedient to my Father. This is what my Father's will for my life is. He wants me to take this step of baptism. And I'm just being obedient to his call on my life. But then the second reason Jesus was baptized is Jesus is setting an example for all of us to follow. Jesus is laying a foundation for every Christ follower to follow in his footsteps through baptism. And he's just setting the standard. He's setting an example for all of us to see if Jesus has done it, that means we should follow in that. Do you realize as a, as a disciple of Jesus, as a Christian, you can't go wrong with following Jesus. You just can't. You can't go wrong by following your Savior. I mean, that's what Paul said. He said, follow me. He said this to the early church, early Christians. He says, follow me as I follow Jesus. Paul says, the reason why you can follow me is because I'm following in Jesus' footsteps. And, and Jesus sets the standard. He, he gives us an example to follow through baptism. And it happens in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, a lightning on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love, and him I am well pleased. And so Jesus, John, consents, and he baptizes him. The word baptismo means immersed. And so Jesus is taken, and he's immersed into water. It, it symbolizes the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. We're getting ready to celebrate Easter, and baptism is a picture of us go, walking through those steps of death, burial, and resurrected, being resurrected by Christ. And so Jesus is baptized, and it says, heaven opens. And there's certain moments in Scripture when I read, I just wish I could get a glimpse of what that moment looked like. I mean, you ever wonder that when you read scripture, like, what must have that been like? Well, this is one of those moments for me. I mean, normal day, Jesus is at the Jordan River, and the Jordan River was known for really kind of being disgusting, and, and Jesus is baptized, and all of a sudden, heaven opens, and uh, uh, this Holy Spirit descends like a, a dove, and you get this beautiful picture of the Trinity, 
God, God, one God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all caught in one scene, and then heaven opens. Man, what did that moment look like? I mean, I just wonder, like, wow, that would have been an amazing scene to see, and Jesus, or God speaks to his Son, and he says, this is my Son, whom I love, and I'm well pleased. It's a moment in Jesus' life. But if you go back to the, what Jesus said to John, he said, let it be so now. Why was now so important? Why was Jesus so pressing, pre- pressing on John? John, it's got to be now. Let it be so now. Why was it so significant? You see, up to this point in Jesus' life, he hadn't even really started his public ministry. And it's interesting that God is going to use his baptism to propel him into the future, the future that he called him to, the future of why he was on the, the earth, the future to the cross. You see, from this moment in Jesus' life, God propelled him into the future, the calling he had for his son. And it's the same for us today. When we choose to obey God, God uses moments of your obedience to propel you towards his purpose for your life. Do you realize that as Christians, as followers of Christ, the more we continually say yes to God, it it leverages us, it pushes us in a place where we're stepping into God's will for our life. And baptism is that moment where Jesus steps in obedience and God leverages him to step into his public ministry. But I don't think you get a full picture of that unless you look at the events that happened right after Jesus' baptism. Because I think a lot of us, we would stop there and be like, wow, Jesus got baptized. That was awesome. But you, and really to understand the entire story, you have to go to what happens next. Mark chapter 1, verse 12, it says this. Immediately, the Spirit impelled him to go out into the wilderness. And so Jesus just got done being baptized. And Scripture says immediately. There wasn't a break There wasn't like, hey, Jesus, relax for a little bit, grab a cup of coffee. No, it says immediately the the spirit said, go to the wilderness. And so Jesus does. We pick up the story, Matthew chapter four. It says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Yeah, no duh, right? The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So Jesus, right after his baptism, God sends him out to the wilderness, and for 40 days, he doesn't eat. He just drinks water. 40 days. Can you imagine that? When you want to lose weight, forget Atkins and paleo. Let's just go with the Jesus fast. You know, 40 days without eating, oh, Lord, help us all, right? But you get a little bit of Jesus' humanity here, too. Because Jesus, remember, is fully man and fully God. And after 40 days, it says he was hungry. We felt that before, right? We felt hunger. Can you imagine 40 days without eating? He's, he's hungry. And what's interesting is Jesus is weak. And oftentimes when we're weak and when we're tired, guess what happens? The tempter comes, the devil comes, the enemy comes, and that's what happens to Jesus. He just got done being baptized, he's hungry, and now the enemy slips in and he says to Jesus, he says, hey, if you're the son of God, you're hungry, why don't you take these stones, turn them into bread, feed yourself? Then he takes him to the highest point of the temple and he says, just throw yourself off. You have angels, they'll catch you, no worries. 
And the devil questions Jesus. But he doesn't question, I don't think, his power. I don't think in these questions the devil was like, I don't believe you don't have the power to turn these stones into bread. I don't believe you have the authority. I don't think the devil was questioning that in Jesus. He knew Jesus had the power. But what he was questioning was in that phrase. He said it twice, if you're the son of God. You see, the devil wasn't questioning his power. He was questioning his identity. I'm not sure I believe you're the son of God, Jesus. If you're the son of God, you could do this. If you're the son of God, you could do that. So show me, Jesus. Prove to me you're the son of God. But you know what? Jesus didn't have to defend himself to the devil. Do you want to know why? Because 40 days earlier, at his baptism, the heavens opened and his father looked down on him. And this is what he said. This is my son who I love and I am well pleased. And Jesus didn't have to defend himself to the, to the enemy because he knew because his father at his baptism told him who he was. And it's the same thing for you and I at our baptism. If we've been there, that baptism is this public symbol of you identifying with Christ. It's where you say, hey, guess what? I, my identity isn't placed. It's not placed in what people say about me. It's not placed in what others think about me. My identity is found in my Savior. And at your baptism, God looks down and he says, that's my son. And that's my daughter who, I'm, who I love. Because baptism is a public symbol of you identifying with Christ. I'm not ashamed to say he is my savior. I'm not ashamed to say this is the God I'll follow and serve every single day. And notice, this was the first public announcement of who Jesus was. It was from God declaring to his son, not to the world, but to his son, you are my son. It was this public moment. You see, salvation is private. It's a private decision. It's between you and God. It's this intimate, quiet decision where you surrender your life to Jesus, where you make him the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. But baptism, it's this public declaration, where you let your spouse know, where you let your family know, where you let your church know, and everybody around you say, hey, I'm not ashamed to say it. My identity is not in this world. My identity is not in what people say I am. My identity is found in Jesus Christ, and I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm not ashamed to live it out. It's this public moment. This is what Romans 1, chapter 16, this is kind of what you say at your baptism, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed that Jesus bled for me and died for me, for my sins. I'm not ashamed of that because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And that's what baptism is. It's this moment in your life where you declare that to anybody and everybody. I'm not ashamed to say, Jesus saved me from my sin. And I'm gonna live that way. I'm gonna walk that way. But yeah, I still think baptism is confusing to us. We don't fully understand what baptism is, and so I wanna give you a modern day picture of what baptism is. You see, I love football. I love to watch the NFL. 
And it's just something that I, I love to do. In fact, when the Super Bowl's over, I kind of go into this month of depression because there's no more football to watch. My wife celebrates. She's like, thank God it's over. But I'm like, oh, man. And growing up, I, I grew up in the country. And so for all you college students and youngsters, like your, your high school, middle school, we didn't have like Netflix or streaming. I didn't have a cell phone you could watch anything on. I grew up in the country. And guess what? We had antennas. And from this antenna, you got three lousy channels. But you were thankful for those three lousy channels. And one of those channels was Fox. And I grew up in the 90s. So that might hurt some of you. It's okay. I grew up in the 90s, and on Fox, on Sundays, guess who was on the TV? The Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Can I get an amen? <laughs> some people are like, no. No. And I'm not ashamed to say, man, I love me some Dallas Cowboys. I'm a fan. I'm diehard. I love watching my Cowboys. <laughs> But here's the truth. If you would see me on the street and I was wearing this, you'd have no clue. Unless you knew me. But you would have no clue. Based on what I'm wearing today, you would have absolutely no clue who I cheer for, where my allegiance is. You would have absolutely no clue that I was a Dallas Cowboys fan. But if I did something to change that, I'd probably do something like this. Now you'd have no doubt, because this is a symbol of where my allegiance lies. This is a declaration to say, that's my team, and I'm going to cheer for it. Whether I live in, in Buffalo, New York, or Atlanta, Georgia, the Cowboys are my team. But, and that's, I mean, that's, that's what baptism is. It's a symbol of you saying, hey, Jesus has changed me from the inside out, and I want the whole world to know that I am not ashamed of it. I will live for him, and I will boldly and courageously let everybody know from my heart and the outside of the way I live that I'm not ashamed to put on a jersey that says I'm in love with Jesus, and I don't care what people think about it. That's a symbol. But let's make one distinction. Just because you put the jersey on doesn't mean you're a fan. And that's the truth about baptism, and I think that's where it gets a little bit muddy, is you can jump in that water over and over again, and it won't change you. It won't. It's a post-salvation decision. And you can be baptized six, seven, eight, ten times, and the truth is, is it will do nothing to your heart. That's only what a relationship with Jesus can do. And baptism is just this symbol. And I think we have to have a rooted theology in what baptism really is based on God's word. And I want to give that to you. Four things. The first thing. Baptism is an outward display of an inward change. Baptism is this public, this outward symbol of what God has done on your heart. It's this decision you make to go public with a decision that you made privately. It's a decision that says, hey, Jesus is living inside of me. It's an outward display of an inward change. Secondly, baptism is a command from God. 
And I think this is the one that we get a little leery on is, man, I think some of us, we know Christ as our personal Savior, and we don't realize that God, our next step, if we know Christ as our personal Savior, our next step is commanded by God through baptism. That's why Jesus set the example for all of us to follow. In fact, look what Scripture says, Acts 2, 38. It says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Walk in a different way. Allow Christ's death and resurrection to change you and then be baptized. Matthew 28, verse 19. This is where our mission statement comes from, the Great Commission. It says, therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. For some of us, we treat baptism as this like, you know, I kind of just do it when I want to. I don't know, I'm just, I'm nervous about it, I just don't think. And we fail to realize that it's commanded in Scripture by God. Third, baptism is about obedience. It's about obedience. Do you realize if you want to mature in your faith, if you want to mature in your faith, it's, it starts by getting to know who God is through his word, understanding the holiness of God. But if you want to mature in your faith, it happens in obedience, You realize as a Christian that there are going to be times in your life where you don't understand where God is leading you and you can't see what he has for you, but yet you still have to say yes in obedience. There's going to be moments in your life where it's hard, where you disagree with God, but you know what his word says, and you're still going to have to say yes in obedience. And man, I mean this as nicely as I can say it, and I say this in love. But some of you, you know Christ as your personal savior and you haven't been baptized and you're living in disobedience. And I just want for a second that to sink in. I don't mean that to be judgmental or condescending. That's just the truth. It's commanded by God. And if you know him as your personal savior, your next step is commanded. It's through baptism. Fourth and finally, baptism is a proclamation. It's a proclamation. It's exactly what Romans 1.16 says. It's this proclamation where you say in front of your church, in front of the people you know, in front of your enemies, I'm not ashamed to say, God, I'll follow you and I'll live for you and I want everybody to know. Listen, at the end of the day, I, I love my cowboys, but they, fa- they pale in comparison to my Savior. They really do. And I, I, I'm really not ashamed to claim that. I'll cheer on a Sunday. I will, as hard as I can at the game, but I'll give God so much more when I worship him in a service because I'm not ashamed of who he is. And I'll live it out and I'll shout it from every mountaintop and I don't care if people agree with me or not. I love Jesus and I will not be silent about that. But yet, I wonder about you. What's holding you back from taking that next step? You're here today and you haven't been baptized. You know Christ is your personal savior. What is holding you back? Well, I think there might be a couple things. First, maybe you were baptized as a baby. You were baptized as a baby in the church you were growing up. And and man, I don't mean to stir up any tension in people's hearts. But the truth is, is baptism, according to scripture, is a post-salvation decision. It's a post-salvation decision. And so if you were baptized as a baby... We would call that at Northridge, it's more like a dedication. It's not a bad thing, but it's your parents saying, hey, we promise to to walk in the ways of God, to to, to teach our kids to walk in with God, but it isn't baptism. It's not that public display of uh, of an inward change that God has done in your life. And so if you were baptized as a baby, baptism is for you. 
Secondly, maybe you've just pushed it off. Maybe you're nervous. You don't want to shoot a video. You're afraid of water. There, I mean, there's going to be a lot of things that keep people from getting baptized. I'm amazed every time I talk to people. And most of all, it's just fear. I'm afraid. Today's your day. I believe that. Today is your day. Maybe you're here and you just don't know Jesus. You haven't made that decision to follow Jesus, to make him the leader of your life and the forgiver of your sins. And man, it, wouldn't, it would be an amazing day today if, if that's you. You've been coming to church and the Holy Spirit has been drawing you to himself. And man, today can be your day where you step over that line and you say, I want to make Christ the forgiver of my sins and the leader of my life. And then I'm going to go public with that decision and be baptized the same day. We saw a girl do it today where she placed her faith and trust in Jesus right on the spot. And we said, hey, we'll walk with you in public and to declare that you're not ashamed of that decision. Maybe that's you today. I believe for some of you today is your day. There's this beautiful picture of baptism in Acts chapter 8 where Philip comes to this man who's reading the Old Testament. And Philip finds him in Acts chapter 8 verse 35. It says this, Then Philip began with the very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and said, Look, here is water. And I love this line. What can stand in the way? of my being baptized. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and he went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Man, what a beautiful picture. Here's a guy who just met Jesus and they're on this journey and he glances out of the corner of his eye and he sees this pond, this body of water. He says, stop the chariot because there's, gone, there's not gonna be anything that stands in my way of me walking in obedience to my Savior. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he stops the chariot, and he says, Philip, you're gonna baptize me right here and right now. And I would ask you that question. What can stand in your way today? What can stand in the way of you walking in obedience to Jesus? Today, we made it so there could be nothing. Our staff and volunteers, we packed bag after bag full of shorts, t-shirts, combs, gel. We don't want you to have a single excuse for not to take that step today. If we don't have it, we'll go get it. If you need lunch after your baptism, talk to the person sitting next to you. But honestly, What's going to stand in your way? Today can be your day, your moment. Because, I mean, I believe this. There's only certain moments in your life that you will remember forever. Not for forever, but like forever. And the reason why I can say that is because that's true for me. You see, when I was a young man, I was at the church I grew up in and the pastor was preaching on heaven and hell. And man, as a young man, it scared me to death. I grew up in church. I knew that God loved me, but I never made that personal decision to follow Jesus. And so after that sermon, I was in our, my parents' station wagon. It was one of those old station wagons where the back seat actually looked out the back window. And I just looked at my brother and I was like, man, what does it mean to be a Christian? Like, I, I don't want to go to hell I, I know Jesus loves me. Like, what, what happens and as a family? We circled around our, our living room and they just answered my questions. 
And then I personally, not my family, I made a personal decision to place my faith and trust in Jesus. I knew I was broken and I needed someone to cover my sin and I couldn't do it. And so I placed my faith in my hands and my life in the hands of Jesus. And I said, I wanna follow you. And then a couple months later, I found myself standing in front of my entire church with a mic in my hands, having to share that story, that story of what God did in my life. And after I was done sharing that story, I handed the mic to someone in my pastor at my home church. His name's Richard Tennell. He took me and he baptized me. He took me down in the water and he brought me up. And that is a moment in my life that I will never forget. In fact, it's a moment that through the years I have come back to. A moment when I question my identity and who I am. A moment in college when I was ready to give up and throw in the towel. Do you want to know what moment I remembered? It was that moment where God declared to me who I was. He said to me, Drew, you're my son and I love you. It was a moment in ministry. I know some people think pastors don't ever struggle. We don't deal with the things you deal with. But let me just be clear. Oh, we do. If anybody pretends not to, they're just fooling you. A moment in ministry where I was like, I'm just done. I'm discouraged. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. You know what moment I went back to? That moment where God called me and propelled me into the future. And that moment, my baptism, is honestly one of the most significant moments in my life. It's one of the reasons why I'm standing here today. And man, I would hate for you to miss that moment in your life because you're afraid, because you're nervous, because you're holding on, you're allowing the enemy to keep you where you are. And I would challenge you, if you know Christ as your personal Savior and you haven't been baptized, today is your day. We have made a way where all you got to do is step in obedience. And so we're going to give you that opportunity. I'm going to give some instructions to all of our campuses, and then we're going to just give you the opportunity to be baptized today. So at Greece... Henrietta and Webster. After I give some instructions, I'm going to count to three. And so here's what you need to do. If you want to get baptized today, you want to go public with your faith, you want to declare that you're not ashamed of your Savior at Greece and Webster and Henrietta, here's what you got to do. When After I count to three, you're going to stand from your seat and you're going to walk to the exit. You're going to walk to the exit. There will be people there waiting for you, cheering for you, and they will tell you where you need to go. If you're at Arondecoit, and that's you today. Today's your day where you go public with your faith. When I count to three, you're just going to stand and you're going to go to this exit right there. There's people waiting for you. They're ready for you. If you're watching online and you live in the Rochester area, you go to our nearest campus. We'll be waiting for you. You walk in the doors and say, I got to be baptized today. Don't wait. Go get in your car right now and drive. We're waiting for you. And for the rest of us who have been baptized, we know Christ is our personal Savior. And we've been baptized. 
Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go crazy. We're gonna celebrate and we're gonna encourage every fear that's in this room out of here. We're gonna tell the enemy, watch this because our God is greater than anything you can bring. So we're gonna go wild and crazy, yeah. Are we ready? Are you ready? So if that's you today, you're ready to take this step, you're ready to go for it, you're ready to declare Jesus is my savior and I am not ashamed to say it, that's you and you need to be baptized. I'm gonna count to three and you just get up and you go to your exit, you ready? Here we go, one, two, three, you get up, you go, come on, you get up, you go, come on, come on everybody, come on, you get up, you go at all of our campuses, come on, you get up, you go, don't be afraid, let's go, come on, let's celebrate, come on. Woo! Don't be afraid, there's still time. Keep going, let's do this. Woo! Yeah! There's still time, yeah! Let's go! You know, you, you think about our culture today. We make a, a lot of proclamations. We do, we proclaim a lot of things. You think about social media. We're not afraid to proclaim what we had for dinner last night. We're not afraid to proclaim, man, look at my new decorations. And what's interesting is we proclaim it to the entire world. <laughs> the entire world says it. You know what's interesting is for a lot of us, we've been baptized, we know Christ is our personal savior. And we went public with our faith, but for some reason, we decided to go back to being ashamed. Now, at one point in our life, we were like, Jesus is my savior. And now it's like, uh, yeah, he is. And we do it quietly and timidly. You know, maybe you're not getting baptized today, but maybe this is a reminder for all of us as Christians to be courageous in our faith, to not be ashamed to pray at work, to not be ashamed to teenager at school to sit down at your cafeteria and say, I'm gonna thank God for this food because I'm not ashamed. This is what the Bible says about people who are ashamed of God. Luke chapter nine, verse 26, it says, whoever is ashamed of me in my words, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in glory and in glory of the father and the holy angels. Pretty powerful words. I am not ashamed. Let's live that way.